developing your international business, one thing is often forgotten, cultural differences. The Culture Matters International Business Podcast does exactly that. Focus on international business and cultural differences. Chris and Peter guide you through the maze of business and cultural differences in every podcast episode. Get the global perspective here at the Culture Matters International Business Podcast. Hello, good morning, good evening, or uh, good afternoon, and no matter where you are. My name is Chris Smith. And I am Peter van der Lende. This is podcast number 148. The topic for today is why is the United States sometimes ahead and sometimes behind? We all know that, or many people believe that the United States, of course, is advanced country, and they are in many ways, but sometimes in, on certain areas, they are behind. Let's go and look at some of those examples. Okay, let, and, then, and that, let's start with COVID at this moment. And the time that the recording is, <clears throat> or rather the recording date is December 17, 2020. And uh, we're in the middle of this of this pandemic. And we're mentioning the date for this is for the audience that's listening in the future. And if you look at how different countries typically at the first wave in March, or maybe even before that, have taken actually action or have not taken action and how a number of countries were able to unlock after the first wave uh, and how many countries have been suffering a lot longer um, so for instance the the germans were al- almost obviously the first one to lock down then uh, it took some days for the for the dutch to follow the belgians were fast the french were fast the brits were late and hence indeed the uh, the consequences of that were very visible during the first wave um and and in the us it's a it's a total I was going to say a total mess, but that's not what I mean. It's just totally different, meaning that um, that there's not a federal government that that decides, okay, we're going to lock down, but it's actually left up to the to the individual states, um, and that's a that's a big difference when it comes to Europe. Yeah, I think you're you're right, and if you call it a mess, I think from for some people that looks like it. For some people, even in the United States, of course, I am in I am in the United States in Atlanta, Georgia, and you are in Europe, so it's an interesting comparison. Uh, but for some, it is considered a mess. But of course, we will explore during this podcast really why that is. And of course, you already mentioned the decentralization of the United States plays a role but also culturally in terms of don't tell me what to do. I mean, in in Georgia, uh, we were in lockdown in March and already we were the f- one of the first state, if not the first in Georgia, to undo that lockdown in May already. Mm-hmm. So late, yes, the United States was late, but then look at what happens <laughs> with vaccination. Uh, I think that is going is an interesting uh, dynamic as well. I, don't, I think in Europe, uh, the vaccinations are not, uh, yet on uh, are not yet implemented, with the exception of of a number of countries. Indeed, um, uh, yeah. I think I think typically the, the first countries that started uh, va- vaccinating are indeed Canada. Um, I think the U.S., um, uh, Russia, strangely enough, um, yes. uh, and Germany as well. Uh, but the difference is the, the difference in terms of how to deal. With, with, with this lockdown and how to deal with what's going on at this moment. Uh, and, and now I'm talking about the second wave in this case. Uh, and my, my biggest or my broadest comparison is uh, from north to south, the Netherlands, Belgium, and, and France. Uh, the Netherlands, because I, I do follow the news and I'm Dutch myself. Belgium, because I live there. 
and France because I, I do visit there occasionally. And indeed, the, the, the famous mouth mask um, that we all have or should have or don't want to have or do not want to wear is, for instance, one of the examples in the Netherlands where, um, and this is a, a very late recent uh, data, um, that in most of these three countries, France, Belgium and the Netherlands, it is uh, mandatory to wear a face mask when you use public transportation. But it appears that about 10% of the Dutch simply refuse to wear a face mask and are just against it. Um, in Belgium, there's um, there's much more compliance to the law like that. In other words, uh, you see hardly see anybody, uh, in the st- even in the streets, walking without a face mask. And even uh, there are designated streets where I live where you must wear a face mask. And there are other streets where you do not have to wear a face mask, but people still do wear face masks. And for instance, in France... Um, and typically in the uh, Ile de France, which is which is Paris and the greater Paris, if you want, you have to wear a mask whenever. And in addition to that, there's the um, uh, there's a Corona app or form, depending a little bit whether you have a smartphone or not. You would have to um, file an attestation, uh, an attestation. What's the what the reason is why you're outside? Being, for instance, uh, visiting um, uh, the hospital or uh, going supermarkets or going for personal uh, personal uh, exercise for running. Now, that has been lifted since I think December first or December fifteen or something. So you do not need that attestation anymore. Uh, so it, it's it keeps on fluctuating and it keeps on fluctuating to the extent that people that it drives that it drives people that it drives people crazy. Um, um, and uh, it's uh, of course getting back to your pro- earlier point, Peter, in terms of why it's important to 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 vaccinate uh, early is is well for a couple of reasons I think is because we're all sick and tired of this. I mean, this whole word, uh, COVID or Corona fatigue is not a new word. And um, I think it's important to indeed start. And what you see here is uh, is indeed that the countries that started first with the, the vaccination are countries that score relatively low on the fourth dimension of cultural differences, which is called predictability. Um, and typically Canada, the UK, and the UK was actually the first country in the world that started vaccinating is, um, uh, and, and now the, U- the US and now Canada as well are three countries that score relatively low when it comes to um to the fourth dimension predictability in the first four important primary dimensions. And and then if you want to stretch it a little bit further and put it in history and put it in somewhat perspective, um, for instance, think back now about 10 years, a little bit longer, 2007, 2008, the financial crisis. And this is a, this is a shortcut in terms of, of, of explaining it. And in addition, it's lack of knowledge from my side as well. But what I think that happened is that sub-mortgages were, um, uh, so mortgages were given to people that couldn't pay the mortgage, but they were still lend the money. And then the, the, those sub-mortgages, as they, were, as they were called, they were then packaged and they were sold to other companies that would buy up these, um, uh, these loans, so to speak. And yep. in the end, if you keep doing that long enough, then the system collapses and that, that that's exactly what it did. I mean, people were forced out of their house. People were forced to to sell their houses, etc. So it it's it started in the U.S. and then spread 
It spread like like COVID almost um, as a wildfire through the rest of the world. And the funny thing is, is that the U.S. the makeup of the U.S. the cultural makeup of the U.S. is is in such a way. Um, and I'm going through a couple of these dimensions here. Is that the United States scores relatively low on hierarchy? In other words, there's no one, no one in terms of government that says don't do what you're doing. Then the, the they score relatively high on individualism. Meaning like, okay, I'm going to do what I think is right. And then there is a relative high score and goal orientation. In other words, winning slash or read, making money is important. And then they're willing to take the risk as well. So that's what, for me, one of the cultural reasons why the U.S. Um, actually ended up in, in 2008 in this financial crisis, by the way, from a business perspective, is then predictable that something like that that we do not know yet will happen again. Why? Because the makeup of the culture is still the makeup of the culture. And um, and the fact that at, the, that at that time, President Obama was really, really quick to pump in um, billions, if not trillions of dollars in the U.S. economy to actually get the economy out. So they were the first in and they were the first out. And it's predictable that something like that will happen again because of the trend in the cultural makeup like that. Peter? Yeah, exactly. So what, of course, I actually moved for the second time to the United States in 2009. This was in the midst of the financial crisis. And the the comparison, what happens with Corona today and what happened then with the financial crisis is valid because we're talking about a national culture. And you just mentioned a couple of dimensions on how that exactly works and why that is. Mm-hmm. So people might think like, why are you comparing the financial crisis with the Corona crisis? Because the, what you, the, the dynamics that you see are very, very similar. So, for example, we are slow in reacting to what's going on in the financial crisis. In fact, by the way, if you talk about predictability, always mention that as well, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, the phrase of the famous uh, sports company, just do it, right? We'll just do it. Exactly. So also with the financials, like give everybody a mortgage, mortgage. It doesn't matter. It's a competitive world. So as a financial institution... I'm going to give everybody and his brother a mortgage. We'll, we'll figure it out later if it implodes. Then it implodes. Then we have a big crisis on our hands. Then we'll fix the crisis. And we do it fast. So that's a typical American thing to do. When I came to the United States in 2009, literally all construction that I saw around me just stopped. Mm-hmm. So you saw a hotel being built and it was you know, covered in all that plastic, uh, you know, these, these walls were put up and all uh-huh. the construction material that looks like plastic, but it's construction materials uh, uh, put against it. And then basically the workers left. And the, uh, a couple, you know, these buildings were that was standing it. there for a couple of years. Yeah. As soon as that financial crisis uh, started to uh, become better, and you mentioned already Obama uh, stepping in real quick, it was maybe two years or so. The workers came back and finished the hotel. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 just how things sometimes work in the United States. And the funny thing is, and then maybe, maybe I think you you mentioned this a few times as well. Is that's what the United States sometimes does? They take on a big project, and then as soon as that project is done, then it, they leave it alone for a while as well. You mentioned uh, one of these days. 
the highway system, for example. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. It's, and just before, and, and actually, I thought it was Roosevelt who started this with his with his New Deal, but it, apparently, it was some years later when um, the the ex uh, General Dwight D Eisenhower became president in the in the fifties. Um, this is this is, I mean. And, and think about this, the 1950s or 1952 and 1953, yeah. they designed this, the, 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 the interstate system. Those are all the roads in the United States that um, that start with an I, and, and that the I stands for interstate. And there's one particularly that's, that for me springs out. Why? Because I've driven the whole thing. It's the I-10, the Interstate 10. It starts in Los Angeles, uh, and it just ends. It starts in in Los Angeles, and then it goes to uh, I think it's Arizona, uh, New Mexico, and then a couple of states I forgot. Um, it's 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 New Orleans, New Orleans I think, um, Louisiana. Or Louisiana, sorry, uh, and then it ends in Jacksonville, Florida, and it's just one straight line. And and the 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 the, the simple logic and and really the advanced thinking like that. We are going to connect the country with with big big freeways, for one because we can we're a very mobile country. For two, we can move troops around. So there was a military background around or behind that as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, and 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 the logic, the simplicity in terms of all uh, odd, uh, all, all even numbers are from left to right or from east to west, and all odd numbers are from north to south. And so it's it's it is so simple. While what we see in Europe, there's a whole mishmash of of of, of names and numbers. There are A roads, which are actually called E roads, and E roads that are actually called A roads, because in the Netherlands we still use A the the, the A one, while here in Belgium is called E nineteen, because they follow the European system. And then 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 there's the total counter counter part of that is is that something that's that's still being used a lot in the US are checks i mean these pieces of paper yes. that that you check that i mean that you write and you there's an x amount $20 chris pays $20 to peter and peter then goes to a bank and then hopefully gets the 20 bucks if the check doesn't bounce if my bank indeed does have that 20 bucks now of course the number is it's going down it's going down it's going down typically under circumstances that we're going through right now when it comes to COVID, et cetera, et cetera, because more and more it's moving online and hence paper is and sort of gets in the way, um, gets in the way like that. So it, it's, it's weird how the U.S. can be advanced in certain ways as early as, as the early 50s. And they can be behind in, 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 in business like, like paper money, paper checks, uh, I checked. I just checked around in Canada. They're being used as well. In the in the Dutch, they don't exist. In the Netherlands, they don't exist. In Belgium, they don't exist. In France, they do exist. But I think it's about twelve percent of uh, of of actually money or monetary transactions that they're being used. Um, and now, now fast forward to now, now, now. Look at, for instance, who are the big leaders when it comes to innovation? It's Google, it's Amazon, it's Google, uh, or it, it's Apple, it's with its Siri, Amazon with its Alexa. Where do computers come from? Who builds the the chips that are in your in your smartphone or, or in your computer? It all comes from the from the from the United States. So. And again, it's it's no innovation. Innovation is part of that fourth dimension. It's relatively low. Stuff is being invented in the United States. 
And if you want, it's perfected in countries like Japan, which score really high, or countries like Germany, which score relatively high uh, in terms of, um, for once, the best car, I think, was a BMW. I think the best car now is Toyota. Uh, so th the Americans or Anglo-Saxons typically, they invent stuff, and because they score relatively low on that on that on that fourth dimension, but countries that score high generally perfect that as well. Peter, yeah. So the the, the Czechs example is of course uh, uh, very striking. The, when I came to the United States for the second time and the first time, of course, I was all already surprised then that I needed checkbooks and write checks to other people, and I still have to do it sometimes. There is one or two services that I use. That only accepts uh, paper checks, and I always call them. Like, is, is there another way of doing this? I mm -hmm. really don't want to write checks. I don't want to receive checks. But then at the same time, quickly they say, oh, "Okay, well, if it's so complicated, then the bank says, why don't you take a picture of that check and we'll deposit it for you?'" So that's one thing that came 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 in very quickly. Mm -hmm. And another one is there that there are now services between banks, and I'm wondering if that's also at your side of the pond that there's something similar. But writing checks to each other, right? I, I'm owing Chris twenty dollars. I'm writing him a check today. You can use a, a service it's called Venmo or Zelle, mm -hmm. and basically you can register at your bank. Uh, you can be at the Bank of America. I can be at Wells Fargo. We both register for that service, Zelle, mm -hmm. and we and I say uh, the only thing that I have to do is enter your email address, and by doing that, we I'm not connected to you, and I can send you money but just opening up that app and give you $20. Yeah. So that's a very quick thing. I'm, I'm not sure if that happens in Europe as well. But I wanted to go back also to your infrastructure example, and maybe you can put some of those dimensions again, again against those. Because if you look at the highway example, the same thing is true for airports. Airports in the United States have been described by previous presidents and current president and, and, and uh, vice presidents in the past Mm -hmm. uh, as being uh, third world air country airports. And of course, we have to be careful in how we name countries. But of course, what they're trying to say is these airports are old and tired and they are from the 60s and 70s and nothing has been done ever since. No. No. The, same thing, the same thing is true for that highway system. The highway system was built. It was then put in place. And then basically nothing happens until it falls apart. So this is also a very American thing to do. Let's innovate, make it a big project. We do it fast. It is great. It, it completely enhances our infrastructure. But then we let it go for decades until it falls apart. And now we have to do something. What is it? Well, it it's, it's for one, indeed, um, I know the system as such is most of the stuff is um, uh, state-based. So the states have a lot of power, so to speak. Um, I mean, to the extent that they can actually, they can, they can um, um, stop a death warrant if you want. That's up to the governor of a, of a state, not the president. Um, but the, the, the federal government has some power here and there in terms of if you don't do that, you will not get federal funding in order to do your um, whatever, your infrastructure, because that's done federally. These interesting turf there and 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 defense, for instance, as well. That's federal, as well. Where it comes back is indeed. Don't tell me what to do, and that has to do with hierarchy. It's don't, don't tell an American what to do. I'll, I'll tell you a story about that in a moment. But that's indeed not what they want to do. And as long 
as it works, you know, you're going to make money out of it. And making money, heck, is important in the United States. So if you can create a system, then indeed it makes it, it, it's going, you're, you're going to leave it. I mean, take LaGuardia Airport. I think it's, it's, you, you, can, you can put a dome over it and make a museum out of it. I mean, I yeah. Don't know. So, yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe to quickly inject uh, something and then maybe you want to tell that story uh, is the, and indeed, it's also the short term, short term orientation, the predictability, the hierarchy, all of that applies in the sense that, um, and the Americans then adopt an attitude like if it works, it works, right? Mm -hmm. So now we have that highway system, now we have an airport and it works. If it doesn't look that sexy anymore at some point, it doesn't matter because it's still functional. It all yeah. works. Don't fix what is not broken yeah. until it's broken and then we will fix it. And of course, every, and, and when I talk about short term, there's everything also to do with profit and loss uh, statements and profit and loss uh, quarterly announcements and, and things like that and managing, managing towards the shareholders and stakeholders. True. So at the end of the quarter, we want to see that we're doing well financially. So if we need to re innovate and we need to build a new airport and we need to put in new systems and what have you that cost money, that will impact the P&L. Why do that if everything still works? So let's not do that. Let's only do it when it's really, really necessary. While in Europe, for example, they have a longer-term vision. If you can build the business case that you will get your money back in five years instead of one year, that's good enough for a European, not in the United States. What do you think? No, no, I agree. I agree with that. I mean, the P&L, P&L, P&L circle, profit and loss circles uh, are, are, I mean, the stakeholders are, are tremendously powerful, um, typically in the case of the United States. And remember back, circling back to the total beginning, why is, why are, is the U.S. behind and at times and why are they ahead? Why is this important if you're doing business or if, if you're considering doing business with the United States? There is there are a couple of countries that fit in the so-called uh, Anglo-Saxon cluster, um, and by heart they're they're Canada, it's the United States, it's the UK, Ireland, Australia, and uh, New Zealand. Now, with that, I'm not saying these countries are identical. What I'm saying is is that they have a similar cultural trend, if you want, right now. Um, I was hired some years ago by by an airline called Virgin Atlantic. And the name sort of gives it away, Virgin Atlantic. The, the majority of their business, they make, they make cross-Atlantic. That means from the UK to uh, any, any part across the Atlantic. And they found it hard. I think about 80% of their sales came from, at that time, came from the, those transatlantic routes, which is, yeah. which is a lot. Um, and the UK and the, and the Americans always have been, how do you say friends, at least allies or close allies? They have been, I mean, culturally as well. Um, Language-wise, of course, it's always, you can always make good fun about this. But then I was hired like, okay, you know, how come the Americans, I was hired by the Brits. And then the question was, how come the Americans don't want to, to buy, I'm making air quotes here, buy our sales system? And so the point what I'm trying to say is, is that the Americans suffer from, at least in my eyes, a lot from the not invented here syndrome. So it doesn't, if it doesn't come from here, unless the price is really, really good and I can sell it at an even higher price, then I'm, then indeed I might be interested. But um, 
when it comes to if it's not invented here. So what I'm, the point here really is, is that even though cultures are similar or comparable, that doesn't mean that it's, it's automatically your business, your blueprint for your business will work in that country. That's certainly not how it works. So that's, I think that's, that's, that's how it understands. And I think that's important if you're considering doing business. So what do, you, what do we need to do now? Exactly. So I think the point being is, the point here is that if you want to do business across borders, and in this particular case, you want to do business with the Americans, you want to do business in the United States, mm-hmm. what, ha- what happens many times, and I've seen this multiple times happening from Dutch companies want to do something in the United States, whether it's exporting a product or starting a company or, or, or introduce their services. They start talking to, if they find a, a first connection, they start talking to the Americans. And the Americans are uh, people who react enthusiastically if they hear something new or you have a great <laughs> story. So it's like, great, I love it, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah. So the Euro- a, an average European, at least a German or, an, or in a Dutchman, already thinks that he made his sale. This is great. This is going great. And the American even says, why don't you come back and tell the story again? And they do. And nothing is happening. Why is nothing happening? Because it might not be invented here. It might mm-hmm. be too expensive. Or we don't need it yet. Nothing is broken. <clears throat> we, uh, we don't need your product at this point. And it can take years. I've actually, I'm working in the airport and airline industry still. And I'm trying to do something, sell, sell some things to in the United States. That, that took me a couple of years while it was already uh, well on its way in other parts of the world. Now there's a need. Now we're going forward, but it can take a couple of years. So I think the point here is that the United States might be ahead. It might be seen as a country that is very fast and innovative, but it can be very, very, very slow. True. So, I mean, if you, if you add it all up, if you, if, I mean, if you, if you do your homework correctly, statistically, you know, when you go to another country, statistically, you're going to, fa- you're going to fail. It, it, it will fail. Why? Because it's so darn difficult. And why is it just because we overlook the cultural differences? We think, you know, even if you buy a fax, the other person has a fax. Yes, I am as old that I still know what a fax is. That that it's it's you can you cannot just go across the border and think that um, people will buy your product. Of course, it's easier to go to other countries because they socially might need the work. I mean, think about the the clothing industry that that comes from, from countries like Turkey or India, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that is just cheap labor, quote unquote. Um, so so that statistically you will fail that's one point the second point countries that are similar that as you are or you think they're similar that is not a guaranteed it doesn't it it's not a guarantee that you will actually that you will succeed so the the, the point what, what what peter and i are trying to make with this 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 long story here is that you should if in the end you should get culturally competent and you should understand the other culture so go ahead exactly so may, maybe with this uh, chris uh, shall we wrap it up well there's maybe one thing i'd like to say more you know if 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 you think about if you think about this there are people i mean you're married right Peter, yes. I'm asking. Yes. You're, I mean, you're married. I am. I am yes. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. I, I think nowadays. No, there isn't. 
I now I think you're getting more of a of an exception than the rule. The point that the point that I'm trying to make here, and this relates to doing business internationally as well, is is that more people or the most people they spend more planning their wedding than planning their marriage. You know, it's it's they plan. Uh, they plan their holidays longer. They spend more. Where should we go? How do we do? What do we take? Blah de blah. But they don't do. They don't plan their holiday. People plan their wedding, but they don't plan their wedding. So I mean, don't be stupid and and go abroad. Manage. Do what you need to do. Do you do what you know you need to do? Don't skip culture because culture matters in international business. Uh, it so, is, it is, it is, Chris. It is. Uh, you mentioned stupid. It is stupid because um, your your business depends on it, and it's full. People are full of assumptions. These people kind of look like me, kind of talk like me. Not exactly the same. I'm assuming that they are similar or the same. So now I'm going to approach this as if I am a Dutchman into the United States. Then that's where everything goes wrong. You're absolutely right. All right. With that, I'd like to wrap it up as well. If you do want to get in touch with us, if you do want to know more, if you have specific questions, you can do that. You can go to culturematters.com. I think, I hope that you enjoyed this podcast as well. If you have not subscribed to this podcast, you can do so. Um, it's By the way, it's available in Spotify and on Stitcher and, of course, in iTunes. While you're there in iTunes, we would appreciate if you could leave us a five-star interview. The music you hear in the background is from Bensound. Check them out at bensound.com. I'm Chris Smith and... I'm Peter van der Lende. And this was the Culture Matters podcast on international business. We'll be back in two weeks' time. About two weeks ago, and that was number 147, we talked about what we're going to do on this podcast. So make sure that you listen to that episode as well. Thanks for your attention, and we'll talk in two weeks. Take care. Ciao. Overlooking cultural differences when you're developing your business internationally can be the biggest mistake you can make. Let Chris and Peter help you avoid those mistakes. Get in touch now. Go to culturematters.com.